Good morning and welcome to the Lakers Lowdown. I'm Anthony Irwin. Today on the show, the Lakers have apparently softened their stance on whether or not they are willing to give up two picks for Kyrie Irving. This coming in light of LeBron James's meeting with Rob Polinka that didn't result in a contract extension. Not exactly shocking. Oh, and uh, more of me reading. Friend of the show, friend of the feed, friend of me personally, Christian Winfield of the New York Daily News reported this, quote, Elsewhere, there doesn't appear to be much traction on a Durant deal, though the Los Angeles Lakers are now reportedly willing to include both 2027 and 2029 first-round picks in a deal for Kyrie Irving. Earlier this offseason, the Nets were unwilling to take back Russell Westbrook in any Irving deal. It is unclear if their stance remains unchanged or could change depending on what is received in a potential Durant deal, end quote. Uh, this is interesting, and again, not all that surprising. LeBron and Polinka met. No contract extension was signed. We are now going on essentially a full week. By the time you guys are listening to this, it has been a full week since LeBron could have signed that extension and no movement has been made. And again, the reason for that is pretty crystal clear. He is still waiting for the Lakers to trade for Kyrie Irving. Now, maybe the Lakers aren't able to trade for Kyrie Irving and then he be, he, he'll start waiting for what move comes next. And, uh, we've already seen them, according to Winfield, soften their stance on whether or not they're going to include that uh, second first-round pick for Irving. That was something that they have not been willing to do to this point. And maybe that stance softens across the league as they get more and more desperate to get LeBron to sign his extension before training camp starts. So not necessarily, again, all that surprising here. There are a few balls up in the air as we try to figure all of this out, but it is definitely a step in the right direction that the Lakers are willing to do this. Now it just becomes a matter of what they would be receiving by including both of those first round picks, Russell Westbrook and maybe THT and whether they get back Joe Harris, maybe they get back Seth Curry, maybe they get back, uh, Josh Richardson from San Antonio, maybe they're still able to get maybe Buddy Heald or uh, Patrick Beverly from Utah or or, or, Indiana and Utah, respectively. All of this stuff is not possible so long or was not possible so long as the Lakers maintain their stance of not being willing to include that second first round pick. And now that they have, now that they are, um, we can start to move forward. And now I read. Picture this, a top three to five player in a star-driven league demanded his billionaire owner either fire a successful general manager and Hall of Fame coach or trade him. Crazier still, this got out and became public information in a way that forced said owner to tweet in support of said GM and coach. What's more insane than all of that? A company that proudly calls itself the worldwide leader in sports seems to have chosen not to cover it. For almost six hours, an eternity in news time, after Shams Karania reported the details of Kevin Durant's meeting with Joe Tsai, ESPN went radio silent on the biggest sporting news of the day and perhaps the biggest news of a jam-packed NBA offseason. They eventually got to it, much like I'll get to the dishes, but not until Sean Marks and the rest of Nets management were offered Joe Tsai's public support. 
Even then, ESPN chose to highlight Sai's tweet more than the story that forced it, thus painting Marks in a more positive light than at the cost of the bigger story. This comes on the heels of ESPN essentially sitting out the Miami Dolphins tampering in a way that got their owner suspended, fined, and cost them a first and third round draft pick. Hell, this isn't even the first time ESPN contradicted itself to provide beneficial coverage for Sean Marks. In all these cases, the relationships ESPN's lead reporters, Adam Schefter in the NFL, Adrian Wojnarowski in the NBA, held with those they cover seem to have been prioritized above the coverage itself. Even further, the entire company followed suit while giant stories were broken and further detailed by competing platforms. And look, reporters protecting sources is nothing new, especially in today's media and journalistic environment. But the largest sports news entity on the planet going out of its way to ignore two of the biggest sports stories of the year in basically a month? It's the type of thing that calls into question their coverage across the board, even while acknowledging the incredible journalism that has been done in the, in the past at ESPN. This was always a risk when entire news teams are defined by a couple newsbreakers most people confuse with journalists. Schefter and Wojnarowski have accumulated so much power, and credit for them for doing so, at the most powerful news organization in the industry that I can make an almost indisputable argument that those two are able to actually decide what is and what isn't news. Maybe this is just who ESPN is now, and what journalism in general is becoming. The last thing powerful people seem to want around them is honest coverage. And hell, maybe it's stupid of me to expect journalistic integrity from corporate partners of these leagues with billions of dollars on the line. But most fans won't make that distinction. At a time when people pick and choose what they consider facts, this seems dangerous. Societally speaking, powerful people buying favorable coverage is neither new nor productive, but that's a much larger discussion that goes well beyond sports. Decades of incredible journalism has built ESPN into an entity that people trust. And to be clear, stories they do choose to cover are done so beyond reports by, extre- by supremely talented people, some of the top journalists who have accomplished more than I can ever dream of. But ESPN's recent trend of deciding what and what not to cover based on the relationships of essentially two reporters who have gone so far as to reportedly purchase access through dinners and gifts has become impossible to ignore. In the grand scheme of things, a professional athlete issuing an ultimatum really isn't all that important. There are no societal ramifications to Durant's trade request. In today's NBA, such demands have become almost commonplace. We've also arrived in a place where almost no one relies solely on ESPN for their sports coverage. So if ESPN misses a story here or there for whatever reason, chances are most will find them. But as the lines between journalism and public relations continue to blur, unquestionably the largest platform in sports straying further and further into the latter is a regrettable development for all of us. All right, that's going to do it for the Lakers Lowdown Podcast. If you enjoyed this topic that I just narrated for myself, um, uh, I hope you guys check out the podcast that I, or the episode that I recorded yesterday with Ethan Strauss. He has his own Substack. He covers all of this stuff incredibly well. So if you enjoyed that column, he did it a lot better on his own Substack. So you're going to want to check out his the, the, the column itself. He has a narrated version on there if that's your thing. And I hope that you check out the conversation that he and I had. For now, I'm going to go ahead and get ready to do a Spaces at noon Pacific and then do another lowdown probably. And then I have a hook tomorrow with Aaron. So until all of that and until I talk to you guys next, I'm Anthony Irwin saying have a good one.